Hey everybody, welcome to God's Descent, the Gospels. The God's Descent curriculum is my attempt at showing how truly integrated the scriptures are with the liturgy, the catechism, and Catholic life in general. In the full curriculum, I do a deep study on each individual Sunday of the three-year lectionary and show where the catechism and the sacraments and all other aspects of the faith fit in to those readings. In this podcast, I will just be pulling out the gospel reading for each Sunday and focusing on a small tidbit or two. I chose to call it God's Descent because of an amazing quote by Pope Benedict XVI in his book, Spirit of the Liturgy. The life of the liturgy does not come from what dawns upon the minds of individuals and planning groups. On the contrary, it is God's descent upon our world, the source of real liberation. I hope in some way that this podcast can draw you closer to God and to let you know the truly good news that he has for you every day of your life. God bless. Hey everybody, welcome to God's Descent, the Gospels. We're going to begin by reading through the Gospel. This is Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 45. A leper came to Jesus and kneeling down begged him and said, If you wish, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand, touched him, and said to him, I do will it. Be made clean. The leprosy left him immediately, and he was made clean. Then, warning him sternly, he dismissed him at once. He said to him, See that you tell no one anything, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses prescribed. That will be proof for them. The man went away and began to publicize the whole matter. He spread the report abroad so that it was impossible for Jesus to enter a town openly. He remained outside in desert places, and people kept coming to him from everywhere. The Gospel of the Lord. So, um, a couple of things right off the bat. Um, this, this is still in succession from last week. Here we have, I, I'm not going to go into this, but I wanted to highlight just this. It's an article slash homily uh, by Monsignor Charles Pope, and you can find it everywhere you want. And I'm not going to go through the whole thing. It's really, really good. It's called uh, Losing Our Leprosy in Four Easy Steps, a Meditation on the Gospel for the Sixth Sunday of the Year. Um, and it's really good. Um, it, it's, it's an amazing homily on this Sunday's readings. And I, when, if you listen to the full-length God's Descent lesson for this, I, I go a little in-depth in with his thing, but we're not going to do that for the sake of this. Um, but starting with the reading, um, the first sentence is, a leper came to Jesus. So you're going to notice a couple of things with me. Um, I, there are certain things that I just kind of repeat over and over and over. They, they are things that, for whatever reason in my life, in my experiences with God, they ring so true that I see them everywhere. Uh, and I'm, I'm aware that they happen. So if, if you notice them and it, it bores you, then you can skip past them. But certain things, they come up all the time for me in the Gospels, in Scriptures, and in Walk with Christ. The first is this, that the outcasts still felt able to approach Jesus. You, you see it in the first reading with the, the demoniac in the temple. You see it with after he heals Simon's mother-in-law. And you see it today that, that people knew that they could come to him. And I was talking about in the, the parable of the prodigal son, when the young son spends all of his stuff and he ends up at the end of his rope and he's sitting in the pig slop and he realizes how far he's fallen. He knows in that moment, he says, I will go to my father because he knows for a fact that his father is good. He can always go to his father. He, even if he's just a servant, those are treated better. So he, you can always go to God. And there's something in us. It's from Eden when they, you know, hid in the bushes and sewed on fig leaves. We want to hide we want to hide the parts of us that are broken from God. And it doesn't, it doesn't make sense, but we want to do it. 
And sometimes we learn that from our parents. We want to hide things from our parents because they get really mad at us. And I get mad at my kids and I'm not, not a good parent. And, but God is the perfect parent. And when you're broken and when you're ill, you can go to him. You can run to him. And, and he will be there for you always. And that's important to understand um, because that's what keeps us from him. If you won't do that, then how do you ever, how do you get close to God if you won't run to him with your brokenness? Because you're always going to be broken on your own. So that was just one small thing. But then kneeling down, begged him and said, if you wish, you can make me clean. Again, this is something we always have to do. We will never need to stop placing ourselves in his care, at his feet, and then offering up to him our brokenness. That's never going to stop. And that's why I was talking last week about like having, it should go without saying that you have a morning time of prayer of some kind, because that's what we need to start our day with is just, okay, listen, I'm in your hands. You do what you want with this, with this day. You do what you want with the next 24 hours. They're yours. And that's what this beggar, this leper is doing. He knows that he is broken on his own. He knows that he will never be healed on his own, but he knows he can run to this, this man. He runs and he kneels down. And, and he says, the, the thing is that if, if you wish to, if you wish, you can make me clean. And there's a, we, we sit on the outside and we're like, well, of course he does. We know that. And we, we know the story, so we know that he does. But that humility is him saying the thing we always have to say, Lord, if you want to, please do. Because this is what we see Jesus, you know, a few chapters later in the Garden of Gethsemane saying, Father, if there's any way this cup can pass from me, please do so. But nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And that's also inherent in what this beggar says. Because this beggar isn't coming and demanding. This beggar is saying, listen, if you want to, you can heal me. Please do. But implied in there is if you don't, I'm still on my knees. I'm still here in front of you offering up to you. And that, that's what we also have to do is come to God with everything and say, do what you will. Let it be done to me. So then we know Jesus does wish to heal our wounds. He does wish to make us well. So then you have this, moved with pity, he stretched out his hand, touched him, and said, I do will it be made clean. So again, this, this physical moment is so good. You see Jesus, just like in all the other ones, you can't, don't rush past it, don't, don't jump over everything. This is a moment where one of the children that he created is kneeling in front of him saying, please, if you wish it, you can heal me. Please, please make me better. And Jesus looks at him, but he doesn't just look at him. You know, you picture, if you slow down and pause the moment, you picture him, you know, looking down at him, but he doesn't just look, he touches him. And it doesn't say where it was. In my, because of who I am, I'm sure that's what it comes from, my psyche, but he's got his arms on his shoulders. He reaches out and just looks at him and says, I do will it. Like, I want to make you better. Like, it's just, this is the son of God. This is the lamb that was slain before all created. This is an eternal member of the Trinity they are physically just with them. And the first aspect of this is that, that we are not disembodied spirits. We are not um, good spirits trapped in bad bodies. We're not Manichaeists. We, we don't believe that heresy. We don't believe that the spirit is good and the body is bad. We believe that this flesh was made by him on purpose. This was the, the, when there was nothing, he made humanity. He made the human body. He made, and he came in the flesh. He incarnated himself. And he died in the flesh. And then he rose again in the flesh. And then we get the resurrection of the body and life everlasting. The body matters. The body fundamentally matters. And Jesus knows this. He's living it. Or else he wouldn't have walked around in the flesh, healing people in the flesh. He would say, your soul is healed. 
But he wanted them to know that, no, this is real. Like, I redeem all things. I make all things new. So he reaches down and he reaches out to this, this broken flesh. He says, I do will it. Be made clean. So that's the one side. Why does he reach out and touch him when he could have just been like, like, all better. And then the guy's like, yeah. But he does it on purpose because he cares, because he knew this guy was suffering physically. So I want to be with you physically in this, and then I'll make you well physically. Then the other thing is, there, he wasn't being like, like he, he didn't want to be just authoritarian, just like, you are healed. But like he's being intimate. But at the same time, there's a, there's a homily from John, St. Saint John Chrysostom in 370 AD, around there, in his homilies. And he's referring to this moment. And he's saying, uh, he, well, I'll read it. He says, if he cleansed him merely by willing it and speaking it, why did he also add the touch of his hand? For no other reason, it seems to me, than that he might signify by this that he is not under the hand of the law, but the law is in his hands. He touched the leper to signify that he heals not as a servant, but as a Lord. You know, it was the law that you didn't touch a leper. You'd be unclean. You don't touch them. They are untouchables. That's the law. And here Jesus, who, who is the creator of all things, he just says, no, I'm not under the hand of the law. The law does what I say and reaches out and touches him. So it's the, the intimate personal side and the authority that he is the ruler of all creation. And this is him establishing that. What, what shouldn't have been done, he did, and he brought healing through it. And then it says, the leprosy left him immediately and he was made clean. What's the tag word in Mark, ladies and gentlemen? It is immediately. So we had it in the very first reading where Jesus immediately did this. The second reading that we had last week, the second gospel last week that we've covered, uh, where the, the disciples immediately went and told Jesus. And then we have today that even the leprosy left immediately. This is God on the move. He's a man of action. So that, again, you see it with Mark so often that he's bringing this out immediately, immediately, immediately. So uh, then he warns him sternly and dismisses him. See that you tell no one anything. Go show yourself to the priest or offer your, and offer for your cleansing what Moses prescribed. This will be proof for them. So the first reading, and we're not covering it now, but in the first reading of Sunday, they give the instructions for diagnosis of leprosy. So you get in the Old Testament the establishment that um, the, actually the, the priests, among the ancient Jews, it was the priests who were trained and they were empowered, empowered to um, recognize leprosy and then to, to decide if it was healed or not. So they were the ones you would have gone to. So what Jesus is doing by saying this Jesus is, we get this idea that Jesus was like a rebel. Like he was like, like, you know, down with the man, like forget the law. I'm here now. And you'll hear people preach that. Like that's the old law, man. That's the old Testament. Um, and you, it gives this impression that Jesus was walking around being like, don't trust the old T man. It's all about the NT. And that is not how he functioned. He is the fulfillment. He was done, wasn't abolishing the law. He was fulfilling it. And so the law was an extension of God's, you know, reality and truth and justice. The law existed for a reason. So Jesus here is saying, like, no, I respect and adhere to the biblical guidelines. You were healed of leprosy. Go to the priest, and that will be the proof. And that should be enough. He, he was also saying, like, don't, don't get too loud about it because I, I have a ministry I'm trying to do here. But go to the priest. That'll be enough. That'll be the proof. And he will deem you as healed, and you will be free. Um, and so there, there's that aspect, aspect of course, of, um, the one thing I did like that uh, Monsignor Pope pulled out of in his article was that this is very much like the idea of confession. Um, uh, it's a metaphor for sacramental confession because the priest assesses a person's spiritual condition and then, you know, and moves, he moves forward with that in his thing. I thought that was a really good pulling out of what the Old Testament priest did versus this. 
Um, so then the guy, so Jesus is like, so just, just go to the temple. You're all better now. Love you. Peace. God bless. Just don't tell anybody. He's like, I'm going to tell everybody. And I can picture Jesus being like, well, could you not? Nope. I couldn't. I gotta, I'm going to tell everybody. I'm going to tell that guy. I got to go. And then he just leaves to tell people because he does. It says he spread the report abroad and it became impossible for Jesus then to enter a town openly. So he had to remain outside in deserted places and people kept coming to him from everywhere. So a couple of things to pull out of this and then we're done. First, um, so I, I was a youth minister in Duluth, Minnesota uh, for four years. And one of the, in the first year I was there, I remember we were at the church in the little Paris Center and I was doing a training. I was training the leaders for the upcoming, the next Wednesday where they were going to teach their youth, their individual small groups about confession. <clears throat> and I'm talking and it's nighttime, you know, it's some weeknight. People are, you know, one guy had just bleary red eyes and he was just like this. And then, um, then Tom, that was Tom. Tom, you know who you are. If you're listening, you know who you are. And then I remember as I was speaking, I look around the table and Jill's over there. And Jill, 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 she's watching. Jill's a battle axe. Um, and Jill would often just come up to you and be like, I need to talk to you. And you'd be like, yes, ma'am. Uh, and so she was sitting over there and she had her arms folded. I'm like, this night is not going well. Um, so I got done and we prayed. And I'm like, all right, everybody, we'll see you next week. And Tom just like like a bat out of heckness was just out of the room. And like he like, man, I, I'll find out eventually what I did. And then um, I'm like gathering papers and Jill just, I need to talk to you. I was like, all right, here we go. So we went in the hallway, we walked down the hallway and Jill says, listen, I can't teach this next week. I'm like, well, Jill, you kind of have to, you, you have a small group. And she's like, no, I can't teach this because, well, I never went to confession. And I said, what? She says, yeah, I became Catholic 27 years ago and I was nothing before, and so then I got baptized, and I didn't need to go to confession because I got baptized, and I've never gone since. I've been too scared. I'm like, Jill, you you have to go. She's like, I don't want to. I'm like, well, you gotta. And uh, she's like, no, I, I, I can't do it. I'm like, yes, you can. Shut up. When whoever's in father's office, when he comes out, we're making an appointment for you tomorrow. She's like, okay, fine. So we're waiting there, <clears throat> and the door opens, and Tom just bursts out the door like like faster than he went in. And he's running down the hallway at me. And he's like, guess what? I just went to confession for the first time in 30 years. And I'm like, what the heckness is going on? What is no one, is no one going to confession? And it was just crazy for me. It was this crazy moment. We're like, I think people need to go more. Um, and, but then like to top it off though, like um, this was like both of them being to the point where they were like, Tom just came out of his first confession just on fire. And then the next day, Jill went, so John and Jill went up this hill. So anyway, they, that following Wednesday, the reason I'm telling you this is because that following Wednesday, there was no, I did not need to train them in, in methodology of evangelization. I didn't need to, to train them how to spread the good news. All that was necessary for them was this one encounter. Jill was on fire talking. She was just like, everyone's going. It's the best thing ever. We're going tonight. Like she was just, I think she had a club. She was just ready to just knock people into the confessional. And it was amazing because she, there was no like training needed, <clears throat> no teaching methods, how to spread the good news. They were just like, it's the best news. It's the best news. So um, I say that because you have this guy here and, and uh, he was a leper <clears throat> and he was healed. And he needed no instruction. And if anything, he got the opposite instruction. The, the savior of the world was like, shh, 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 shh. And, uh, and he just couldn't shut up about it. He just couldn't stop telling people because of one real encounter, one personal encounter with Christ was enough. 
and, and enough to change his life and to help him spread the gospel. It was the same with John. It was the same with Jill. I'm sorry, Tom, and with Jill. And so for for us, that is that is important for us to understand that like you may your faith may be very very strong, but how do I tell people about it? I'll just tell them of your experiences with him. Just tell them of your experiences with Jesus Christ, your personal relationship with him. And if you don't have one, then okay, now you know. Then you start to dive into that. And and especially if you're Catholic, the number one way to keep that personal relationship going is just prayer, confession, and the Eucharist. Prayer, confession, and the Eucharist. John Paul II said that there are three infallible, indispensable means of grace. Infallible means they can't fail you. And uh, indispensable means you can't succeed without them. And they are prayer, confession, and the Eucharist. And so if you think about it, even failure is written into that. If you can't fail, because even when you fail, you can't fail because you have confession and, and your failure is all wrapped up with the bow and you, you come out stronger than you ever were. Prayer, confession, and the Eucharist. So there, here we have this guy. Uh, he has this one encounter and he's just changed. He's forever changed. And he can't shut up about it. The second thing is this, and this is what we'll close with, or pretty close, but though Jesus was not able to go into more populated areas, that did not stop those who were truly looking for him. Nothing can keep you from God. Paul said he's convinced that neither life nor death nor angels, principalities, powers, nothing can keep you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing. Everything else can be stopped in this world. Everything can be inhibited and slowed down and obliterated. Nothing can stop the love of God through Christ Jesus in your heart. Nothing. Not the worst of tortures. That's why I love um, St. John of the Cross. He's my patron saint. He, uh, his fellow brothers, his fellow monks, they beat him up and put him in a stone closet for nine months because he had criticized their lifestyle. I mean, essentially, that's what he was doing. He was criticizing their lifestyle, saying, like, you guys aren't living the gospel. You, you're accumulating, and you love it. Then they'd put him in the stone closet where he didn't have room to lay down fully. He could only sit and squat. And, and through the winter, in the stone closet, in freezing cold, they would bring him food, and they'd open up the door, and he would be uh, on his knees, praying the Our Father in a state of bliss with a smile on his face. Because he had hold of and had given himself to the one that nobody could keep from him. Everything else could be stripped away, even to death. But nothing could stop this. And these people, those who were truly in need for him, they found him. They found him in deserted places. They found him in the wilderness. And they still find him today. And so I'll close with, um, and in the lesson for this I did close, um, St. Damien of Molokai, I don't know if you've heard of him, but he... He went to work with uh, the lepers uh, in a leper colony <clears throat> and eventually died from getting leprosy. But he wouldn't let anything keep him from that ministry. Um, and so I have a couple quotes from him. The blessed sacrament is indeed the stimulus for us all, for me as it should be for you, to forsake all worldly ambitions. Without the constant presence of our divine master upon the altar in my poor chapels, I never could have per- persevered casting my lot with the afflicted of Molokai the foreseen consequence of which begins now to appear on my skin and is felt throughout the body. Holy communion, being the daily bread of a priest, I feel myself happy, well-pleased, and resigned in the rather exceptional circumstances in which it has pleased divine providence to put me. He gives himself every day so that our hearts as burning coals may set set afire the hearts of the faithful. This is somebody who, who... sought Jesus regardless of everything and then didn't stop following him. 
that, that didn't stop following him, that, that responded to him immediately, like in the Gospel of Mark. This is somebody who, um, like Jesus, followed in, okay, okay, if Jesus was moved with pity and touched the lepers, fine. Then I will do the same. And there are miraculous healings in this world. There are, there are places all over the world, like the church in Lourdes, where, you know, crutches and wheelchairs and people leave behind those things. Those happen every day, and then sometimes they don't. Either way, what God is wanting to do with your life is to bring him the most glory, to shine the most light on his love. And he will do, in any situation, he will do whatever brings the most light to his love, whatever draws people most closely to him. And the prayer is that we enter into that this weekend. So what I'll do is I'll close with the closing prayer from Mass uh, when, when they're talking about St. Malachi. And we'll go from there. Father of mercy, in St. Damien, you have, been, you have given a shining witness of love for the poorest and most abandoned. Grant that by his intercession, as faithful witness of the heart of your son Jesus, we too may be servants of the most needy and rejected. Teach us to live our lives with joy like yours and to celebrate and contemplate the Eucharist so we might be good disciples of Jesus and Mary. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen.